You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Hey, hey, let's go Buffalo. Hey, hey, let's go Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. We are only a few days away from the draft, and I wanted to share with you the second half of my discussion with Bruce Nolan the co-host of the Nick and Nolan podcast. In this episode, we do a seven-round mock draft where we go through each round and pick the best player for the Buffalo Bills, but also stop along the draft at several key areas where I believe that Brandon Bean will try to trade into. It's really cool stuff, and I hope you appreciate the questions at the very end where I make Bruce decide on which sitcom and sitcom characters he would draft number one overall. So without further ado, our seven-round mock draft for the Buffalo Bills with Bruce Nolan. I'm going to share my screen with you, and we are going to do a quick mock draft. Now, you said trades that you could see happening would be in the third round, maybe the fourth round. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say third up to second or third up to higher third or fourth back into third. Okay. So let's do one where I have, I have three different scenarios where the Buffalo bills could trade into the third round, either, either trade back into the third round or, or move up into the third round. And I have these four years, but I figured we'd go through all seven rounds and uh, pick a player, each position, pick a player that you'd like to see the bills pick. And uh, and go from there. So real quick, as this is running through, I noticed that obviously the selection at number five is the Dolphins drafting quarterback Tua Tugavala. Um, does that worry you at all as a Bills fan to have to see him, uh, to have to face him every year? Because I'll be honest, um, after facing Tom Brady for 20 years and having a potential, a guy that was supposed to be the number one overall pick before this season started, and now he's dropped down to where the Dolphins are picking, that scares me a little bit. Does that scare you at all? Tua's medical concerns are real, right? It's not just the hip. There's other things going on with him as well. I think we're, you and I are going to run into one of those weird scenarios if if you're looking at who's uh, who's still on the board right now. I think you and I are going to run into some weird <laughs> scenarios here at 54. Please. But, ah. <laughs> uh, Tua Tunga Viola is one of those scenarios where you know, everyone thinks that the quarterback is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm not super worried about it. I will say that I would vastly prefer uh, them taking Tua or them taking Justin Herbert to them somehow pulling off a miraculous trade up to number one and getting Joe Burrow. 
Now that I'm not interested in seeing because I, I think really highly of Joe Burrow as a prospect. And so I am not interested in seeing him go to Miami. Uh, Cincinnati needs to just do the right thing. Uh, listen to draft Twitter, listen to Bruce and take Joe Burrow number one overall. I think I would feel better if Miami went with Herbert because I think Herbert is uh, a little bit more refined Josh Allen coming out of college. And so I'm much more apt to be able to see something like that than I am to see Tua because if Tua is healthy, Tua is in Chan Gailey's offense seems to be a really, really good fit. And so I would not be as interested in that. But overall, I, I try not to get too worried about it because I can't really control it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that still bothers me. I still get anxious about that sort of stuff. Um, but again, I don't know if we'll ever see a, a coaching quarterback tandem like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for a long time. So I guess, you know, you really have to take that into account when you're really talking about what I'm talking about to a and your worry for him becoming the the franchise quarterback of the of the Dolphins for years to come. So you see you can see my screen, correct? I can. You we just ran into an issue where you said you could potentially give the Bills an F if they pick the best player available at this point, which is right now Ross Blacklock, the defensive tackle from TCA. Right. So, so this you, is the exact scenario I'm talking about. If we take Ross Blacklock here, I go, okay, uh, he's a good player. Uh, you going to play him over at Oliver? Because I'm not. So what 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 are you going to do with him? And so this is a player where I would not I would not take Blacklock in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, scroll down a little bit for me. Let me see uh, who all's on the board here for us. Okay, so we've got we've got Damon Arnett at corner. We've got Josh Uche. Cam Akers is still here. Matt Hennessy is still here. Trevon Diggs is still here. Raekwon Davis is here. Um, go ahead and scroll up. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, in this scenario, in this scenario, it's going to be really a Damon Arnett situation for me or a KJ Hamler, something like that. Now, am I trying to be predictive here or am I giving you my opinion? Because I, I desperately need to know that. I want you to give your opinion of who you would pick if you were the GM. Um, show me corners. And also take into account, like you, like you mentioned, also take into account that you know that the Bills probably won't take a Ross Blacklock. I would probably take Damon Arnett here. Mm-hmm. If it was me, I would take Damon Arnett. I am not comfortable with the CB2 spot. Uh, I would take Damon Arnett over KJ Hamler at this point, over LaVisca Chenault. And I would take him mostly because I appreciate the versatility. Um, if you want to get him on the field, but you still believe in for whatever reason, in uh, the athleticism of Josh Norman on the outside, then you can have Damon Arnett as your nickel. And I think he's an immediate upgrade from Taron Johnson, but he can also play on the outside. So I feel very comfortable with Damon Arnett at 54. Over Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, the same, another cornerback. I have Damon Arnett ranked higher than Trevon Diggs. Trevon Diggs is my 11th ranked corner. Spoiler alert for the pod that just came out yesterday mm-hmm. with uh, with Nick, but I am not nearly as high on Trevon Diggs as a lot of other people are. I think he's a wide receiver who happens to be playing cornerback, and he moves and he acts like it. He's got impressive ball skills, impressive athleticism, but there is a notable lack of nuance to him, and I'm okay with taking a player like that, but there's a spot to take a player like that, and 54 is not it. This sounds weird, but you don't think that they would that the Bills front office would lean more towards a Trayvon Diggs um, as opposed to Damon Arnett, just because of the relationship between he and Stefan Diggs, right? That seems like a really bad idea because then anything you do business-wise with that player affects the personality of the other player. I am of the opinion you should actually steer clear of that kind of thing. Okay. Even even if they saw Trevon Diggs as, as a better cornerback, then still take Damon Arnett for that reason alone. Okay. So my first pause is going to come up in a few picks. 
And number 77 with Denver. That would require us to give away both the third round pick of this round, which isn't a big deal, but the fourth round pick of next. This is probably the highest. Now, this is all based on the New York Upstate draft board that they've put together. So at this spot now, if we take Denver's spot at number 77, now our pick is number 86. So this is roughly, this is nine spots above where we would pick. Let me give you the entire rankings and have you take a look. Here we have, I, I'm just going to list off for the viewers while you take a look. Cam Akers, the running back out of Florida State, is the highest ranked player right here on the Draft Network. Antonio Gibson, which you mentioned earlier, out of Memphis. Um, Julian Okwara out of Notre Dame, the edge defender, the defensive end from there. Um, Cameron Dantzler, cornerback. Do you want me to scroll down a little bit more? No, I'm good. Oh. I've seen everything I need to see. Who do you, who do you want? I take Cam Akers. Cam I Akers? think the drop off here after Cam Akers when it comes to running backs is significant. I think that there is a drop off after Cam Akers. I think he's part of the top five. I think there's there's three tiers really when it comes to running backs. You have the top tier, which in my opinion is Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, and DeAndre Swift. Then the second group is Clyde Edwards-Alaire out of LSU and Cam Akers out of Florida State. And then I think there's a big drop after that when it comes to the rest of the running backs where you start to get into these middle people. You start to get in Antonio Gibson's. You get into Zach Moss's. You get into groups that you feel comfortable with, but you're not necessarily excited about. In my opinion, I Julian Okwara is weird because he he has the body type that I mentioned that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have not shown a propensity to lean towards when it comes to edge rushers. And I feel like he's supposed to be better than he is. I look at him, I go, okay, I see it. I see the length. I see the burst. I see all of it. But why isn't he doing the things that I think a player of those traits should be doing. I'm a little lower on Aquara than a lot of other people are. But in my opinion, when I look at this list in front of me, Cam Akers clearly stands out. Okay. So if I were trading up with this exact scenario, I'd take Cam Akers. Okay. All right. So if the Bills trade up uh, to number 77 or around there, you're going to look at Cam Akers. So we're hoping at number 86, he's going to drop there, right? So if he if this ends up being the case and the Bills see it the same way, the next stop I have is at number 83, uh, Denver's other third-round pick, and Cam Akers is still on the board. So that is your pick if the Bills move up three spots. They trade their third-round pick in this round, and then all they would have to give up is a six-round pick based on the board. Um, you're making that move if, they, if you're Brandon Bean, right? Yeah, I think about it. The question for me is, who, who am I jumping and why? Mm -hmm. So in this case, the, the Broncos aren't going to pick a running back. Okay, The Rams might do it. Right, based on the departure of Todd Gurley, but they have found success, arguably more success, with um, backup running backs. In addition, they got Darnell Henderson last year, who I think is absolutely going to be a stud in the inside-outside zone scheme that they run. So probably not going to pick one. Lions, maybe pick a running back. Kerryon Johnson's played well for them. And the Lions are in a weird scenario because if they don't win this year, they're all getting fired, mm -hmm. Nate. <laughs> there, there ain't going to be no, no Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn group anymore. That's not going to be a thing mm -hmm. if the lions don't win. So sometimes you look for immediate impact players for to try and save your job and running backs are immediate impact players, but they might be looking for a little sexier of an immediate impact player when you have carry on Johnson. So yes, they might pick a running back in this scenario. I'm staring right now. I would let it ride mm -hmm. and I would let it ride specifically because I don't think the three teams in, in front of me are probable to take a running back. In addition, I don't think my need for a running back is so serious that someone would jump me mm -hmm. to get him. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So if I balance those things from a strategy standpoint, I'd probably let this one ride. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see if your uh, gamble pays off. Oh. oh. And <laughs> the Rams took <laughs> Cam Akers. <laughs> uh, but I'm cool with that. I'm yeah. completely fine with that. In addition, I'm fine with it because Jonathan Greenard's here. Darrell's t- Darrell Taylor's here. And Antonio Gibson is here. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with that. Running back isn't so significant that I got to force it. Mm-hmm. Well, so we're at pick 86, the Bills' third-round pick. Um, Cam Akers is off the board, obviously. Do you like Antonio Gibson? I mean, who who, who is who is your pick now at this spot? Oh, let's see here. You see, we have uh, Prince uh, Tiga Wanago from the offensive Prince tackle. Prince Tiga Wanaho, yeah. Wanaho from the offensive tackle from Auburn. You can tell how much of a draft guru I am, Bruce. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have Matthew Pert, the offensive tackle from UConn, which I have seen mocked to the Bills. As well, Terrell Burgess, the safety out of Utah. Jonathan Greenard, which we discussed earlier from Florida. Darrell Taylor, the edge uh, defender from Tennessee, which I know you have a draft crush on as well. Um, I do. Uh, Troy Pride Jr., the cornerback out of Notre Dame. So right now, as far now, as our picks have been here, all we've all we we have picked a cornerback already in Damon Arnett. Mm-hmm. So would you? I'm I'm guessing Troy Pride Jr., the cornerback out of Notre Dame, is off the board for you. Yeah, I think Troy Pride Jr. is really diet Damon Arnett. I think he gives you a little of that ability to play inside-outside. I think it was Kyle Krabs on the Draft Network who first mentioned to Joe Marino, who then mentioned to me, the idea of possibly having Troy Pride be in the nickel. And I really, really enjoyed that idea on the Locked on Builds podcast that I did with Joe. But So I can't take credit for that concept or that idea. But I think with me taking Damon Arnett, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love me some corners, but I'm not going to take two of them (laughs) back-to-back at this point. I think really at this point it's the positional value versus my value proposition. And really, so I want to take Antonio Gibson here, okay? Mm -hmm. Because I want that offensive weapon. However, this is probably my last gasp to get an edge rusher. If I want an edge rusher in this class that's going to give me something, this is my last chance to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm taking Darrell Taylor. Darrell Taylor, all right. And the fourth round or later, you're talking it's going to be unlikely to find that kind of talent. um, Like Absolutely. Okay, okay. So this last trade that I will see in the in the third round where the Bills actually move up is pick 106 with the Baltimore Ravens. So in order for the Bills to move back into the third round, it will require their fourth, fifth, and sixth round six rounders, which um, I'm not sure that they wouldn't be opposed doing. It sounds like a lot, um, but they still have a, a sixth round pick and a seventh round pick after that. For some reason, I feel like I would see Brandon Bean doing that, and I don't think he would care. Um, what do you think about that in general? I think having top 100 picks in the area of the top 100, in this case, 106 is always valuable. And when you have a team who you don't think you're going to be able to roster seven players, you're probably more willing to be able to give up three picks to get one. Mm -hmm. I don't think he would have done it earlier, but the status of the roster actually might cause him to be more aggressive than it has been. But we've already given up multiple picks for Stefan Diggs. I don't know if we necessarily do it twice in one offseason, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's Brandon Bean. I mean, he's a crazy mad scientist. I wouldn't necessarily be shocked by it at this point. And if this was the case and I'm moving up, you know, we've got Kayvon Wallace, Amik Robertson, Logan Wilson, Van Jefferson, Hunter Bryant, Zach Moss. KJ Hill is here. Thaddeus Moss, who I'm not a huge fan of, is here. Uh, scroll down. Let me see who else is here. Alex Highsmith. Yeah, see, now we're into the developmental edges, mm-hmm. right? Alex Highsmith, who was a played at University of Charlotte 
and Bradley and I, who was everybody's draft crush really early in the process before everyone started to realize that his arms weren't very long. And it was like, okay, well, I'm not sure about that. And you wonder where he fits as an NFL rusher. I actually think he would probably fit better as a three, four outside linebacker Mm -hmm. than really as a four, three end. I think that a team like Pittsburgh would probably look at Bradley and I more favorably than a four, three base team would do that. If we were trading up at this point, I'd probably take Zach Moss. Zach Moss. Here. Yep. Okay. Now I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable um, trading up to this spot for a running back, mm-hmm. and giving three picks up for a running back. That wouldn't strike me as a very good idea. But we, if you're forcing me to trade up to this spot, and you're saying I got to pick a player right here, probably going to be Zach Moss. Even because over, I think that Zach okay. Moss is is part of this tier. Okay. Okay, even over like a Van Jefferson, the wide receiver out of Florida. I mean, because all the other tight ends, I mean, if you look at the the top draft board, we have Thaddeus Moss, the tight end out of LSU. Odds are they're probably not going to draft a tight end that high. You know, there, there's Kevon Wallace, the safety out of Clemson. You know, can you see them doing that? I mean, they're pretty good at safety as well. I mean, for a third round pick. Yeah, over-, over I think Zach like, Moss is going to get more touches mm-hmm. than Van Jefferson would ever get. Okay. Because Zach Moss as RB2 is a lot different than Van Jefferson as wide receiver four. And so for me, if you made me pick somebody at 106 based on this list, I'd take Zach Moss. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, this is all good to know. I could definitely see a lot of these scenarios coming up with the Buffalo Bills, just because we've seen them happen so often, like we mentioned earlier in the pod. And we're getting to our fourth round pick, Bruce. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have you do any more trades for the rest of this. I've already taken up enough of your time. So we're getting to pick one twenty eight now. Uh still Van Jefferson is on the board. Um KJ Hill, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Um I know you're looking at him just because he's an Ohio State guy, right? Um, <laughs> Darnell Mooney, wide receiver out of Tulane. A lot of wide receivers late. I have noticed these with a lot of mock drafts, round four and after. There seem to be a lot of wide receivers at the top of the board. Um do you want me to to scroll down a little bit? Yeah, scroll down a little bit. So let me see who's there. Um no, nah, I'm good. I'm good with Van Jefferson here. Okay. I'm good with Van Jefferson. If we want to try and add a different element to the to the wide receiver room, he's probably not the guy because he is a separation guy. But I think if you if you told me that you were going to get Stevie Johnson, mm-hmm. would you be willing to spend a fourth round pick on Stevie Johnson if you knew you were going to get that kind of player? I personally would, even though Stevie Johnson was a seventh round pick. I'd be absolutely willing to spend a fourth round pick on someone who I think is Stevie Johnson. Like he does waste a little bit of time at the beginning of routes because he needs to be able to set up people and he's a little slow getting out of his break. But that's a player who I think melds well with what Josh Allen does. He's not necessarily giving you a bigger dynamic or a better dynamic than you're getting somewhere else. He is a little redundant when it comes to things. He's not quite as fast as John Brown, Cole Beasley, and and Stephon Diggs, but he gives you that short area quickness and the ability to separate the short area. And so if that's what you want, if you want more of that, he's your guy. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Bills have ignored wide receiver. I mean, minus Zay Jones a couple of years ago, I mean, they they have widely ignored that position for so long, so so much the fact that we don't have really a young pipeline besides undrafted guys, guys from the CFL, 
and you know uh, Isaiah McKenzie, you know. So so I think that yeah. at some point they need to address that with some youth. So that's a great pick. Um, we we are in round five right now. Um, we have some wide receivers at the top of the board: James Proch from wide receiver out of SMU, Isaiah Hodgins, wide receiver of Oregon State. Some of these I'm not even going to try to pronounce. But uh, do you want me to keep scrolling down so you can? Uh, yeah, scroll down just a little bit more. I mean, I know that you talked uh, with your podcast with Nick and Joe about interior offensive line. Is this is this a good time to potentially take a look at that? Or uh, yeah, this is a good time for me to take a look at interior offensive line. Um, the players who I really wanted on the interior offensive line aren't really here mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tyree Phillips is not a guy that I'm overly high on. And I mean, you can go ahead and sort it by interior offensive line just to make sure I'm not missing anybody. But a lot of the targets that I would previously have here are not here. Mm -hmm. I mean, Solomon Kindley, I'm okay with, but really that's, there was a run on these players at this point, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, getting someone like John Simpson, getting someone like that is not, not an option at this point. So I'm going to punt this need. I'm not going to reach for it. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to take, I'm probably going to take at this point, Justin Sternad. And, um, out of Wake Justin Forest. Sternod the linebacker is, out of Wake Forest. yeah, out of, out of Wake Forest. Yeah. Justin Sternod is someone who I think is a hedge for me against the possibility of Matt Milano leaving. And I'm not okay with AJ Klein as being our most significant three down linebacker. Mm-hmm. I'm just not okay with it. That's something where if you're going to have a linebacker centric defense and you have two linebackers, you rely on very heavily to make plays down, downhill and Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, you have almost no depth behind them at all. And so Justin Sternod's the pick. So he's more of that uh, coverage type of linebacker. Is, is he is he a little bit smaller like Matt Milano is as well, and just kind of you know fits that mold maybe athletically? I think he's a good athlete. Um, he's not a converted safety by any means, <laughs> but it is a scenario where you know Justin Sternod is coming out of Wake Forest. I think that. He's a little bit bigger. You know, Matt Milano's a 220 guy. Mm-hmm. Sternod's a 6'3, 238 kind of guy. Okay. But he runs 474. You know, he showed good run. It's not, he's not blazing speed, right? But he's like, he's he's a twitchy guy. He's not just a not just a guy who can run fast in a straight line. He is explosive and aggressive and he's twitchy. And I really think that even though he's a little bit slender. That's going to be okay as a will linebacker in a 4-3 defense. And I think that he gives you a better prospect than Matt Milano was coming out. People forget Matt Milano was a fifth-round player who a lot of people actually preferred Tanner Vallejo, <laughs> who was the other linebacker pick, who went off into, went off into nowhere. I think that Justin Sternod is a better prospect than Milano was, and it helps you hedge against the possibility he might walk. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. So now we're into round six. By the way, I when the Bills drafted AJ Klein, I have a friend who uh, does podcasts for um, Locked On Saints podcast, and he said, you know, congratulations to AJ Klein. You know, you're going to get a great fan base in Bills Mafia, and he tagged me in it. And all the Saints guys were like, congrats. And they said, just don't put him in open space with a running back. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly what he does. <laughs> so we're and in- unfortunately that's where the offenses are going now, being in space <laughs> against a, a skill position player. So he is a little bit of a throwback. I think AJ Klein would have done a lot better um, if this was 20 years ago okay. in the NFL. 
So now we're looking at round six. Again, wide receiver. I mean, positions we've addressed already in wide receiver. You know, edge are at the top of the board right now. Um, we have not taken a running back yet. And I see Patrick Taylor Jr. out of Memphis is up there. What are your thoughts mm. on him? Um, what are your thoughts in general? Do you want me to scroll down? Um, sort by running back. Let me see who all is there. I mean, luckily we have two picks in the sixth round. So if we don't take one here, we can take one in the other pick. I am going to take Michael Warren here from Cincinnati. I think that Michael Warren is not just a plotter. People think that if you're a big guy and you're a downhill running back, that you're a plotter. But Michael Warren actually has really good feet for being that. You know, one of the things that people talked about with Jerome Bettis was for a man that big, he has crazy good feet. Now, please, Michael Warren is not Jerome Bettis. That's not what I'm saying. But when you have a player like that, just because you're big doesn't mean you're a plotter. It's one of those myths mm-hmm. that comes along with football. It's like, well, man, you need a big guy to be a goal linebacker. That's not true. Or you need to be tall to be a good receiver in the red zone. That's not true either. We just make this crap up. And, oh, man, you know, I need a big running back like a Derrick Henry for short yardage. No, you don't. There's absolutely no data to support that. We just make that crap up. And then we just – it becomes these myths. And – one of them is if you're big, it doesn't mean you're a plotter. That's not what plotter means. Plotter is, a, is when you have a phrase like that, it's in reference to your feet and your ability to be quick with your feet and make decisions and make subtle adjustments to be able to squirt through holes and be able to make sure you take on the right type of contact and things like that. And so Michael Warren has good feet. Now, he's not going to blow anybody away. He's not going to run for 60 yards and a touchdown. But the fact of the matter is, If you want someone to replicate the type of touches you were giving to Frank Gore last year, Michael Warren can do it. And based on the way that Frank Gore had played last year, you're probably getting an upgrade to the 2019 version of Frank Gore. You might be getting early 2019 Frank Gore, not late 2019 Frank Gore when it comes to the foot speed, the foot quickness and the ability to win downhill. All right. Hey, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about your conversations with Nick is you like to remind us that things aren't binary as we like to put them. Like you just mentioned, big plotting running backs where they obviously have no shiftiness or or, you know, no athleticism. It's just, you know, things aren't ones and zeros. Things aren't black and white. Why do you think that is it just easier for us as people to to think that way? Like we have it figured out because it's it's either this or this. Is that, I guess I'm just trying to figure out because I do this. I know we all do it in one way or another and I do it too. I'm just, it's, it's just funny to, to think, I wonder why oh, that man. is. We could do an entire pot on that. Nate. <laughs> um, sometime we'll do an entire okay, pot on okay. that, but here's yep. my, here's my elevator speech on that. Yeah. People are lazy, Nate. <laughs> it's that simple. Human beings are intellectually lazy. Mm-hmm. And the idea that something could exist in between two binaries is too much work for them to put, go through. They don't want to go through that. They want easy ones and zeros. They want yeses or nos. They want on or off. They want switch on, switch off. That's what they want. They want things that are easy for them to wrap their head around because they don't like playing in a nuanced space because it requires a level of intelligence that they're afraid they'll get shown up if they have to show because they're intellectually lazy and because they're dumb. And really what it is is that people don't want to get caught in a position where they have to think through things in a nuanced way because then the problem solving skills or lack thereof will be exposed and they don't like that. And so there are things in life that are binary, but the the vast majority of football is about probabilities, not possibilities. Mm -hmm. It's not, yes, it's going to happen 100% or no, it's not going to happen 100%. 
it's about probabilities. I, I, we talked about this on the, the quarterback tiering pod that Nick and I did last year. And you can win a quarter, but you can win a Super Bowl with any quarterback. We, we've established that there are some bad quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls. But it's not about whether or not you can win it. It's about what the probability is that you will. So everyone's like, oh man, you know, you can you can win a you can win a Super Bowl with a with a great running game and a, and a stellar defense. Yes, you absolutely can. That's absolutely true. It's been proven. This can happen. It's not probable for you to do it, but it can happen. So the fact that it's not probable that means that it's a Jim Carrey moment, which of course I'm going to really appreciate. But it's a so you're telling me there's a chance. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me there's a chance kind of moment. And people aren't comfortable living in that gray space. They don't want to live in that gray space because it makes them uncomfortable. This idea that there's some sort of nuance behind this opinion and that it's not black and white, it makes them very uncomfortable because they like their black and white. They enjoy their black and white. It's a really childish kind of mentality that a lot of us have in regards to a lot of areas about life, but not just football. We like our black and white because it's easy to defend. We plant our flag. We say, no, 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 no. I'm going to yell at you on, by the, on the internet and call you mean things on Twitter. I'm probably going to use a clown emoji at least twice, and then you're going to go butthurt and cry. That's what you're going to do. And so these are the things that we 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 demand this of ourselves because we're afraid to have any sort of nuanced conversation for fear that we'll get exposed. And it's really a problem solving skills issue. And I, I, I blame the public school system. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was hoping you were going to blame somebody at the end, you know, because you have to blame someone. It's got to be one person's fault. It can't be, it's, it's no one's fault. <laughs> oh, public schools. That's awesome. Thank you, Bruce, for the, uh, the elevator level discussion on that. I appreciate that. Um, so we have, uh, oh yeah, back to football, that whole thing. Um, this, uh, so right now, Again, I always seem to see this in these mock drafts. We have wide receivers again at the top of the board. We have Antonio Gandon Golden, wide receiver out of Liberty, John Hightower, wide receiver out of Boise State, Tyree Cleveland, wide receiver out of Florida. I mean, the first four, Juwan Jennings, wide receiver out of Tennessee, the top four are wide receivers. We've already looked at wide receiver Van Jefferson in the fourth round. So, what position do you want to see? Because Brandon Bean does say late in the draft he likes to go at positions of need. Um, I'm guessing you want to look at uh, interior offensive line potentially again, offensive tackle. Show me interior offensive line and then show me offensive tackle. Yeah, nothing, nothing about that really looks sexy to me. So let's go ahead and move <laughs> on the offensive tackles. Yeah, I'm taking Alex Taylor. Alex That's Taylor. That's who I'm taking. Yep, yep. Your draft yeah. crush, right? Yep, I'm taking Alex Taylor. I think that th- there's a rare opportunity to get true developmental offensive linemen in the NFL. I, I think that we you overuse that term because not everybody's capable of being developed. But Alex Taylor is an exception to that rule. He's someone who is capable of being developed. That's a move you make for 2021, not necessarily 2020. Someone who could benefit from the expanded roster size, perhaps, that's coming to the NFL. I think Alex Taylor is a true stash and develop kind of offensive tackle. He has the requisite length, has the requisite size. He moves well in space. He's just new to the game, and he needs some work. Uh, The technique is clearly not there, but I believe in Bobby Johnson. And if you believe in Bobby Johnson, he's the kind of player you take. I've seen him falling a lot in the mock drafts to Buffalo in round six and seven. And uh, I, I agree with you. I like that pick because after this year, we, you mentioned this before with, with Nick and Joe, Ty Nsecki is off the roster. His his contract um, expires. Potentially Deion Dawkins could leave the team. Um, his, his contract expires next season. Uh, Cody Ford is uh, technically the only tackle. That's still on the roster, including Daryl Daryl Williams. If you look at him as a right tackle, he only has a one-year contract. Uh, I mean, the Bills have the ability to look long-term and have a guy completely sit for an entire season, hopefully. 
that it's something where we don't necessarily always have that luxury, but with this kind of player and with this kind of team, you do. So we've addressed a number of different uh, positions, cornerback, edge, wide receiver, linebacker, running back, offensive tackle with a seventh round pick. I mean, what, what is the need at this point? I feel like we've addressed a lot of them. You know what I'm going to do. You know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take advantage of the draft network simulator, not necessarily always following with uh, the way that drafts typically run. And I'm going to take a punter. I'm going to take Braden Mann because I know he's going to be here because no one ever drafts a punter in the, the draft network thing. So go up to the find a player on the right side oh, okay. and go and type type man, M-A-M-N, M-A-N-N and see if it uh, yep. see if there he is. I'm taking him <laughs> now. Braden Mann will not be here. Right. He'll be gone in the fourth or fifth round because that's when that's when specialists start to go. But I always take advantage of this. If this is my draft, which you said it was, this is my draft. <laughs> Braden Mann will not be here. I picked 239. But in my draft, when you have an opportunity to upgrade a starter at 239, you do it because that's, that, that's never happens. That never has an opportunity for you to upgrade a starter at 239. This is one of those rare scenarios where you can. So I'm taking him and I'm feeling darn good about my draft. Okay, great. Great. And he is no matter what. I mean, I know Corey Bohorquez is, I mean, he is what he is. This is absolutely an instant upgrade from day one, correct? Is what you're saying? Oh, not even close. <laughs> Brain man's the best punter in the, in the, in college football. Corey Bohorquez is um not the best punter in the NFL. <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean, if Mrs. Bohorkis is listening, but I mean, that's uh, yeah, maybe maybe top ten, rounding the top ten, bottom top ten, bottom. So I saw did Dane Brugler of the Athletic recently had the Bills picking a punter, Michael Turk, in the seventh round of his mock draft. Would you be okay with that pick as well? I mean, either of those guys. Yeah, Turk's a little bit less consistent with Turk. It's like you bomb at seventy or you shank it for thirty. But um, and I think we already have a, a, a punter like that. <laughs> but I think that Turk is. A higher upside. I think Turk has a little bit more. Turk has a little bit more ceiling to him than Bohorkas does. I have a lot more faith that Turk can work out some of the kinks than I do that Bohorkas is going to. Okay. Okay. Great. So this is our final mock draft. Um, pick number fifty-four. The second-round pick is Damon Arnett, the cornerback out of Ohio State. Third-round pick number eighty-six is Daryl Taylor, edge defender out of Tennessee. Uh, Van Jefferson is the fourth round pick, number 128, the wide receiver out of Florida. Uh, fifth round pick is Justin Sternad, linebacker out of Wake Forest. The first sixth round pick is Michael Warren, the second, out of, the running back out of Cincinnati. Isn't it normally junior? Isn't the second junior? You don't normally actually call it the second. I thought it was the third <laughs> comes after So junior. funny story. So junior is when the middle name is different. The second is when all three names are the same. Oh, okay. So if you have Michael, Michael David Warren, and then his son is Michael David Warren as well, that son will be Michael David Warren the second. If it's Michael David Warren, his son is Michael Jeremy Warren, then he's probably Michael Warren Jr. Gotcha. Okay. Just as a nice general rule of thumb uh, with the way people typically do that. You know, that's why I have you on, Bruce. It's not for all of the draft knowledge and <laughs> all of the things we've discussed for the last hour. It's just, I need to know why it's the second and not junior. <laughs> Uh, I'm here for you, man. <laughs> appreciate that. The second sixth round pick, we have Alex Taylor, the offensive tackle out of South Carolina State. The beast, isn't he like six foot eight? Oh yeah, he's huge. Yeah. He's uh, pushing six nine. Oh, wow. Okay, and then and then with the last pick of the draft in the seventh round, we have Braden Mann, the punter out of Texas A&M. How do you feel about this draft, Bruce? Is this is this compared to the draft you did with uh, Joe Marino and Nick? 
I mean, I'm excited about this. Mm-hmm. Mostly I'm excited about this because I, I don't think this is going to happen. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that, uh, the bills feel the same way that I, I do about the need at CB2. So, um, so little, little plug for my own stuff. I have a, a, a full 255 pound, 255 pound, <laughs> 255 pick. I mean, I feel like I weighed that much after quarantine, but 255 pick mock draft coming to Buffalo rumblings this week. And I also have a, that full two part bills, mock draft podcast dropping Wednesday and Thursday, Thursday being the first day of the draft. It'll drop that morning and the day before with Nick and in it is, is designed to be predictive. It is not designed to be what I want. And I don't think the bills feel as strongly about CB2 as I do. Because historically, Sean McDermott has always kind of had a get-by guy at CB2. He's always had a guy, yeah, just kind of churn and burn through the CB2. I don't understand that logic, quite frankly. I think it's 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 strange to have that that theory, but that's kind of the way he views the position. I would be very surprised if they picked a cornerback at 54. I'd be always here for it, depending on the corner, obviously. If it was Trevon Diggs, I'd be a little bit less excited about it. But that's one of those scenarios where I really feel like there's a divide between what I think and what the bills think. And so I'm excited about this draft, but I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't think they're Darrell Taylor people either, but well, we'll see. So in your mock draft, you probably have none of those players going to the Buffalo bills. I do just... have none of those players going to the Buffalo bills. I can tell you <laughs> oh, that not oh. a single one of those players is in my predictive mock draft. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> so, all yeah, right. Spoiler. Last question. Um, you've made it a point to mention that your Mount Rushmore of TV sitcom characters are as follows. Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. I have a joke for you. Okay. The government in this town is excellent and uses your tax dollars efficiently. <laughs> That's not really a joke. I disagree. I find it hilarious. Dr. Perry Cox from Scrubs. Did you actually just page me to find out how much Tylenol to give to Mrs. Lentner? I was worried that it could exacerbate the patients. It's regular strength Tylenol. Here's what you do. Get her to open her mouth, take a handful, and throw it at her. Whatever sticks, that's the correct dosage. Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother. You guys know how it's hard to be friends with me because I'm so awesome? And Raymond Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Hello, detective. Is there a reason you're interrupting me mid-soup? Which character is your first overall draft pick? Oh, man, what a great question. Um, Ron Swanson is my first overall pick. I have cried twice in my life. Once when I was seven and I was hit by a school bus. And then again when I heard that little Sebastian had passed. In that case, uh, Ron Swanson and I are kindred spirits. And the character and I, um, we, we don't share luscious mustaches. I do not have a luscious mustache the way that he or Nate Geary does right now. Um, that is not the case right now, but I, I thoroughly enjoy watching parks and rec mostly because I think the characters are, are, are vastly superior to a lot of other shows. And, and a lot of that same stuff carries over into Brooklyn nine, nine, but if I had to pick one, and you made me only pick one, I'd take Ron Swanson. Crazy, right? That story is awesome. Indeed. Thank you for sharing, Jenny. Anne was getting a little chummy. When people get too chummy with me, I like to call them by the wrong name to let them know I don't really care about them. Ron Swanson. Now, I agree with that, but my second question is, which show would you 
take as your first overall pick? Because although I love Ron Swanson and I like, I really do like Parks and Rec, um, I feel like I like Scrubs a little bit better and some of those other shows. What are, What is your show? Which show would you pick as your f- first overall pick between oh, Parks and Rec, Scrubs, How I Met Your Mother, and uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Well, my my favorite television show of all time is Sherlock oh, okay. from the BBC. So um, that's my best. That's my favorite show of all time. But of those four that I just mentioned, oh goodness gracious, you put me on the spot here, Nate. I just I I, I wasn't ready for your hard hitting journalism. Hey, do you think as a GM, you're they're just going to hand you the answers? You know, it's I like- know, right? <laughs> Gosh, I, I wasn't exp- I wasn't ready. You know, I wasn't prepared. Normally, I, I can I prepare for drafts and things like this better. I figured you'd be. I, I was not. The- I was not prepared. <laughs> I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with scrubs. And the reason I'm going to go with scrubs is not because it necessarily is a superior show. I'm not entirely sure it is, but scrubs had this weird way of balancing strange comedy with odd poignancy. And there was a, there was a moment in almost every episode or two where I would really feel something emotionally connected to the show. And scrubs did an, an apt job of balancing very poignant and serious moments with things that were just straight up goofy and its ability to balance those two things, I think makes it superior. I had some, you know, wonderful, sweet moments watching parks and rec, but really parks and rec is a fairly lighthearted chuckle is really what it is. And I'm not a really a laugh out loud kind of guy in general. Cause mostly cause I just have a, a sour disposition about life in general. But it, I think with scrubs, I, I'll, I might chuckle, but then I'll also go, oh man, like that, that really hit me hard. I mean, there's an episode of scrubs that you have seen where the famous line is, where do you think we are? And where's your camera? Aren't you, aren't you going to take some pictures? Pictures of what? You know, crying babies covered in chocolate, people singing happy birthday to my son who have never even met him before. You know, the, the whole routine. Where do you think we are? And, you know, it's, it's, it's Dr. Cox and JD and Dr. Cox's brother-in-law and, and it's a, it's a really poignant moment. And that's a, a moment that I think I'm, it emotionally affected me the first time I watched it. And I don't think I was affected that way by Parks and Rec. You know, I, I, man, I, I have to agree with you. And I was going to agree with you before that, but when you just mentioned that one scene, I got chills from you mentioning that scene and, uh, yeah, wow. Wow, you you sold me on it, Bruce. GM of uh, of television and of mock drafts. I really appreciate you know you coming on and doing this and spending all this time with me. Our first time talking together. I hope it's not the last time that we do this. Um, Bruce, where can people find you on social media? I am at Bruce Exclusive on Twitter. My uh, my associate and friend Nick Bat is at Nick Bat, and uh, you can find my work at BuffaloRumblings.com and on the at Buffalo Rumblings Twitter feed. Well, you know, we've DM'd a bunch of times over Twitter in the past year. You know, I really respect yours and Nick's work. You know, you guys have just a really fantastic show, and I'm so glad that we could finally come together, man. Well, man, I really appreciate you having me. It was a, It's a joy to be here, and I, I'm, I'm very proud to be working alongside you. Thanks so much to Bruce Nolan taking up two entire episodes with our draft discussion. If you haven't heard the first episode, we go over players that have been commonly mocked to the Buffalo Bills in the second, third, and fourth rounds. We get Bruce's opinion on drafting a quarterback this year and where. 
We also talk about if the Bills would and should look at Stefan Diggs' brother, Trayvon Diggs, the cornerback out of Alabama, and a ton more. I was really looking forward to talking to Bruce, and he clearly did not disappoint. Well, uh, and by the way, I did not get to see what Bruce really looks like. If you guys are wondering that, we did Skype, and I have still have no idea what he looks like. So there's that. Even that, even I don't get to see that. <laughs> so that wraps it up for us here at Circling the Wagons. We have another great draft interview coming very soon. Um, if for some reason you aren't subscribed to the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network, you should be. There is a ton of mock drafts and discussions coming down the line from some of the best people in the industry, and I'm looking forward to hearing each and every one of them to be fully prepared for the draft starting on Thursday night, even though the Bills don't have a pick that night. But uh, we'll be ready for Friday. So for me, Nate, go Bills. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.